Welcome to episode 10 of Chaos is Everywhere. Um, I'm your host, Jonathan Gilchrist. Um, this week we're actually watching a movie with DJ Madman. Uh, this time we decided to watch The Animatrix, which if you don't know what that is, it's, it's a series of short films that were released between the first Matrix and I believe the second one. It may have been between the second and third, so don't hold me to that. But basically, it fills in a lot of the backstory, um, some of the stuff that you don't see on screen that might be mentioned, some of the history of what happens, on, what how the Matrix came to be and how it exists, a lot of different really cool stuff, some of the philosophies discussed, and it's just a bunch of different animation styles for the most part. It's just a really fun series of movies, and honestly, it's something I had recommended to the DJ quite a few years ago. He never got around to it, so this was a good way to make him sit down and watch it, and we both really enjoyed it. So, yeah. We also got to, I believe we're going to discuss it, at least for a minute, on the episode. We also got to record a bonus episode, which I'm either going to release the bonus episode in the coming weeks, or hold on to as a bank show. I haven't really decided, but there's another episode in, already in the bank for that. And I've already also recorded my next episode with Mr. Feist, so I've got a lot of stuff coming up for you in the weeks to come, and I'm really excited about it. Um, other than that, we're just having a good old time. I would like to encourage everybody to check out my Twitter, uh, at uh, LastGilchrist1, uh, mostly because I think I figured out a good way to use it, so it's entertaining. Um, because, as I said when I started this, I basically do this anyway, with any um, without any prompting I just watch TV all the time I just watch different things all the time just random stuff so what I've taken to doing is using Twitter in order to um, basically talk about whatever show I happen to be watching like right now I'm re-watching the Power Rangers and tweeting about that a lot you know and maybe one day I will end up going back into the Power Rangers but as of right now that's just what I'm doing um, but yeah, so check it out. It's it's a lot of fun, and I'm getting some really good feedback, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. And again, uh, just you know, tell a friend about our show. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Chaos Everywhere. You can write the show if you want at chaospodshow at gmail.com. And I can't wait to keep bringing this stuff to you. So next week, I believe I'm going to put up uh, the one I did with Walter. We did another K. Sorry, not with Walter. We did another Chaos Roulette with um, Walter, Mr. Artie Vice, and I. But this week, just enjoy the Animatrix, and I'll see you guys later. Ta-da! Am I, okay. a, am I a human being? Am I too loud? Nope, I can hear you. You can hear me. I think we're all good. All right, two seconds, I'm just going to turn. Uh, uh, I'm going to turn like a light off so I don't have a headache. Yeah, I turn off. I turn off my fan before I do it, just so it doesn't screw up the audio. I might just live in the darkness with this. That might be fun. Yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely a dark kind of project. 
How did I turn my closet light on? What are the odds? I never do that. All right. Back to not not the show, but the show. So you've never actually seen this before? I didn't even check out that. No, I did not know it existed until today, yesterday. Well, just as a quick, like I'm going to go in the intro what it is, but just as a quick of what you're going to see. This it's it's all non sequitur. These were released in a bunch of different ways. Like I think one was released in a video game, uh, one was released as like like a trailer to a movie, and there are a bunch of different styles in the way that they work. And basically, the only running theme is it's all about the Matrix world. So uh, like, not fandom of the Matrix, but kind of like within that same universe. Right. Like some one of the I think. The first one we're going to watch is the is the show, uh, the cartoon that explains. If you remember the second Matrix movie, they talk about getting a message from a ship that had been destroyed. It explains that yes, okay. that ship and it, like we're with their crew, so that's that's where we start, and then it keeps going from there. All right, I believe yeah. I am uh, all good at zero. Are you all set? I am. At, come on, hold on. Make sure I'm at zero zero. Yeah, I'll try to nope. keep us from what we're actually seeing, but it should be pretty self-explanatory. And then subtitles are on. Why does it do that every time? When I go back to zero, it wants to start it. Yeah, it, it, uh, you're using Amazon Prime, so that does have a bit of a ping to do that. So let me know when you're ready, and I'll do a countdown for everybody. <laughs> or hold on, you do three, two, one. Yep, three, two, one. Then I'll hit play, or I'll say play, and that's when we're gonna both press play. Okay. Make sure that the sound is like essentially off. We're at. Oh, there we go. And. Okay. Yep. All right. Three, two, one. Play. Um, there's the matrix code. Yep. Ooh, oh, rated I'm sure. I guess it's starting. I got. I thought it started with the last flight, the, the second Renaissance, which is a lot of the back history of what goes on in the Matrix, and then it'll explain what it is. But that's what it's like the history. A lot of, a lot of cool trippy visuals that you know we had talked about doing uh, 2001: Space Odyssey, and that definitely kind of reminded me yeah. of that. This has some. I for, I saw. I read the. Um, I listened to the commentary, and this has to do with like the Buddhist. Um, like holy books is where the inspiration came okay. from this visual. That makes sense. Yeah. And I love the I love the phrasing second renaissance because this is about how the machines came to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this kind of reminds me, but like I miss like you know how like some of those action movies from like the early two thousands had like that cool weird like follow the weird electrical cord right it had that kind of feel and i haven't seen that for yeah no it definitely reminds me like a lot of things and the really cool thing about this is that the animation is not um one type of animation like the renaissance the second renaissance has its own type of animation and then when you get to the other stuff i've talked about sometimes computer generated it all just depends on the particular story they're telling Okay, I understand now. This is what this is from. I've seen some of this like drawing, not like in memes, but like I've seen, like I've seen that robot. Yeah. I don't know why. 
and the dog, the dog that bit. <sighs> this just feels like China. Yeah. Well, the the idea of it is we're inside Zion's mainframe and we're learning what history they know about how the machine war started. That's what we're supposed ah. to be doing. There we go. Another like origin story. Which obviously will give you a lot of background if you're just getting ready to see the second Matrix movie, because it becomes much more about the machines and the humans then. So they're in like a factory. They had like workers before, because they all look like they're either like miners or some kind of like industrial workers, right. but they're robot industrial. Basically, workers. we're in a giant city and we're watching robots um, like build even bigger buildings for humans. The drawing is, like, the cartoon stuff is actually really, really yeah. cool. It gets, it gets disturbing here, as it, you would imagine it would. But now we're going to... People uh, taking advantage of stuff? Yeah, we're going mm -hmm. to a court case. A robot's on trial. It's one of those. It's gonna definitely be one of those ones where I'm gonna tell people to watch because it's hard to explain everything that's gonna be going on on the screen, but I do want to talk about it as we see it. So what we're seeing there's right a, now robot. Is a robot basically murdering his masters, his human masters. Oh, and then animals afterward. Or lots of yeah, yep. Just yep. basically killing anything else that's alive. That's old school. That reminds me of heavy metal, watching the robot rip the woman's head in half. I, the other thing that gets me is I could definitely see that happening. Like, that being the response, just immediately kill the robot, no matter what the abuse was, and causing problems. Oh, they clash with the army. That's never good. You ever realize, like, all the dystopian stuff, like, very few, like, when, like, the military of the world, they're all, like, super unprepared. They're like, oh, there's there's nothing we can do. Like, they're never, like, completely prepared. Huh. I just noticed something that, because this is, like, the fourth or fifth time I've watched this. Oh. I just noticed that that robot was sort of standing so up much tank, symbolism. like, that famous picture in China. Well, that's, yeah, the, the Tiananmen Square. But instead, they just run him over because he's a machine. Well, I mean, the guy also got ran over. That's part of the thing with Tiananmen Square. Yeah. So, okay, so they're like cyborg people? Yeah. Like robots um, pretending to be I think the idea people? is that the humans, like, they don't treat them like, like actual living beings, even though they have consciousness, and just, you know, smash them. We're going to see that doesn't work out so well. And if you've seen the Matrix movies, you can pretty much guess that doesn't work out so well. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm getting like both a uh, Wally slash Terminator vibe. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, the enemy you know, in a pit of dumpster so and then shoot the giant dumpster. Very haunting. Ooh. Water. So are they yeah, you know, they're dumping all the um, dead robots. 
So yeah, we're oh, seeing a, a uh, face. an ocean of dead robots. This is an interesting part of the lore to me, is what they're going to discuss next. Is that the robots, after being banished from humans, make their own country. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, okay, so there's the things that look like the things from Matrix. Yep, there's, we're starting to see Sentinels. They're called like something. Sentinels, yep. So are they like factory making little, like, essentially baby robots? Partially. I think they're, um, they're yeah, they're talking about making... Uh, flying cars, which actually look a lot like the technology in the ships in the Matrix. Um, yeah, that's what they're making. They're making flying cars that they're going to sell to humans. Okay, so that's how they have sustainability, is they make more technology for right, humans. Right, they sell stuff to humans. And now we're talking about through like a fake news report how the, um, the basically the uh, Oh, what's this one look for? The country of the machines is doing so well that they're basically screwing the economy of the human world because they work so much faster and more efficiently. And of course, humans respond with a naval blockade. Terror in the USA. So is that a artificial fly? Nope, just a real fly. Okay, that's a real fly. Been smashed on the wall. I think, I don't know. Oh, there we go. Oops. Good reminder. I have to make sure that I'm being polite here and I'm doing not disturbing my phone. Gotcha. <laughs> my uh, technology. I find it ironic that the um, <laughs> that the uh, well, not ironic, but I just I like the visual of the machines that come to the UN to talk about peace terms are wearing like human clothing, even though they clearly don't need it, but they're trying to be accepted. Well, that's the thing. It almost looked like they were going to because it was just like a, a one, like two things. So it looked like there was like a wedding, like the old fashioned top yeah. hat suit, white dress. But, you know, humans didn't like that. They They went too far. And yep. back to Zion. That's the that's the end of this one. This particular um, story is a two-parter. I'm pretty sure they're back to back, so we're going to watch the second part of the uh, second Renaissance. Second part, second yep. Renaissance. I do like all the colors, though. There's the Matrix numbers again. Back into this. I have no idea how this was released, but I would have been very frustrated if I had watched the first part and then couldn't watch the second part. In pieces? <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the good things about our generation is there's so much stuff that's like, oh, it's already out yeah. now. It's like, what, you had to wait for this? Yep. We couldn't do at all of what we're doing, like, even five or seven years ago. 
And of course, humans decide that their best bet to stop machines was to nuke them over and over again. That makes no sense. Which is basically what the um, instructor just says. It didn't matter to the machines. And basically what we're seeing is, um, yeah, everything starts falling. Yeah, the moment like the machines Thrones. actually start fighting, humans are screwed. Mm-hmm. So many weird references. Yeah. There's a, it's, it's, this one especially is very jam-packed with stuff. Some, this is, I would say out of all of the ones we're going to watch, this is the most complicated, which makes it the hardest one to explain. The rest of them are much more on a smaller scale, so it's easier to explain what's going on. But this one's meant to give you basically the entire back history of the wars between man and machine before you get to the second matrix. And now we're seeing the mech suits that you're going to see. I believe it's in the third matrix movie. The humans mm-hmm. use. But this one gets me. Instead of having a priest walk down the, the trench lines, you have a like television evangelist going by and giving all the blessings. But it's not just Christians, because you also have Muslims, obviously, praying, and Buddhists. It's like all of humankind is finally together to try and stop the machines. And, they're, um, and now we're seeing the implementation of the, the plan that you get talked about in the first Matrix, where they block out the sun to try and destroy the machines. What do they call it? Dark Storm, I think. Yeah, Operation Darkstorm. Which, what was the... I don't think it goes into this. What was the plan if it had worked? Well, is there some, like, whole, like, what powers the machines? Like, are they completely self-sufficient, or do they be able to be, um, you know, to run, quote-unquote, to be alive? Is that their thought process going back to, like, I could just argue, like, ah, if we get rid of the sun, then they won't have the source of strength. Right. Which, like, I understand that from that point of view, but if they had won, if they had worked and they had destroyed the machines, which we know it doesn't, because that's what the whole Matrix movie is about, what would they have done? Now you just have humans looking at the world without a sun. Do you know what I mean? Dystopian society. It's got to get way worse. Like, all of human society has got to make terrible, terrible decisions for there to be, like, three people to be like, look... We've made these 25 horrible decisions. Now we sort of have maybe learned a lesson. Now we're just, um, now on the screen, we're just watching a bunch of, like, just basically the war. They're, you know, just everybody's killing each other. We're watching the human soldiers take drugs, make themselves stronger. And it's, you know, it's just not going well for humans, honestly. I just yeah no this does not look promising no. although have you ever seen Robotech I don't think so what's that about Because there's a lot of parallels to some of the Robotech stuff here they might borrow from there this, this is one of the more disturbing things to me oh, I... we're going to well I think we're coming to it but we're going to watch that definitely Matrix stuff 
Well, yeah, we're watching them like tear apart the tanks, but there's a part. Oh, I'll wait till it shows up. I don't want to keep harping on it, but we'll get you in a second. There are the Sentinels. There we go. This scene just, I don't know why this disturbs me, but they're cutting up in a mech suit to get the gooey human center. I mean, I guess I know why it's disturbing because they basically ripped his limbs off to get him out of there. Well, yeah, but they're thinking about it in a mechanical way. Yeah. Even like the way they kill is not in a, not a humane, but in a human way. It is in a mechanical way. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it definitely, yeah, no, I, you're right. Oh, that, I forgot about that part too. It's an interesting visual. Yeah, because, because machines don't care about disease, they can use biological weapons. They can just create shit to melt their bodies. And then the people that survive are just like, woof. And now we're and watching. Irony. I'm sorry. Well, now that now the machines have won, we're basically watching them experiment, learning how to do the, you know, do what's going to become the Matrix. We're watching them experiment with different people, see what, like, if they poke this neuron, it makes them cry, so on and so forth. Definitely not something to watch if you were under. No. No, this would definitely or screw with your mind and you would not have a good trip. <laughs> nice Hiroshima reference right there. But the burning flag is falling over instead of being picked up. Oh, and they, they've showed it earlier, but I know it was funny. Some of the, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, some of the machines are actually on purpose do look like viruses. Because yeah. that big, weird, like, tetrahedron thing is, like, it's based off of, like, an actual virus. And they're just... A giant, like... Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just looking, looking at the insect we're looking at right now, how he's, like, he's the one that's at the UN again. And this time, he's accepting their defeat. And then blowing them up, apparently. We want peace. We want peace. Well, if we can't have peace, might as well just kill everybody. And that basically gets us to the point where the um, the Matrix looks, or the the real world looks exactly like what we see in the Matrix. It's a nuclear winter with a scorched sky because the machines blew us up after they and um, won the war. Nope. Nice symbols in here where, where humanity is at. And we're oh, there's Agent Smiths, right? Yep. And we're finally at the point where, where human beings live in pods inside the Matrix, and that's how we got there. Basically, lost two yeah, by yeah. humanity, and then machines saying we're not going to take it anymore. 
light bulb embryos. There's a lot of people make fun of the matrix because of the, like the fact that it's improbable that human beings would be a good energy source. But one, I think part of it is that you just saw it. It wasn't just that they machines took over. They won a war and signed a treaty. So I think part of the treaty was to keep humans alive in some way. They just used the matrix to do it. And two, there's a throwaway line when, um, Morpheus explaining the Matrix, he says that with humanity and a form of fusion, which means basically creating the energy of a star, the machines have found all the energy they would ever need. So we don't know what percentage fusion to humanity it is. But I don't know. I just, that's one of those little things that doesn't bother me, but I hear a lot of people complain about the Matrix movies not making sense. Yeah, I know there's a lot of examples in other sci-fi stuff that like do the exact same thing. So like, I don't know what they're thinking of. Like yeah. the whole blood is a life force or the fact that we procreate, like anything that procreates, obviously. So like we create heat, we give off heat, which is energy right. and then we procreate. So it would be a literally like an endless farm crop. So that makes sense. These folks look like the Magi. Yep. And now we've gone to a short story called Program. And we're starting off in what looks like medieval Japan. Because I told you, it's weird movies that are very tangentially connected. So the lady just swooped and jumped off a horse. And, oh, okay. So the Magi people are either robots or programming. Right. Definitely programming because it's you know all still. So is she not in the real world? No, they're definitely. Oh, there you go, simulation. This is um I don't know exa- I can't remember exactly the whole storyline for this, but they're basically when you um see uh, Neo training, this is basically what they're doing. They're training. I can't remember what the whole storyline of this is though. Okay. Well, it's the more cartoons and things like I watch, like Origins of, like I see more like that that suit of the armor has been like used and reused and reused, like with the like the green with the red face mask. Right. Like I've seen that in so many different like cartoons or armors or ancient like yeah. Japanese kind of stuff. And then I know after the fact, I have stuff where where they are is actually a specific place in China. All those different things going across is a famous temple, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, that's more than I knew. Oh, man. Well, I, I know from a cool show that I was telling you about that all talks about video games, but like they break it down into different sections. And one of them is just like how they build the backdrops. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Best horse jump ever. <laughs> Uh, if you want more proof they weren't in the real world, the fact that she could jump up and land on his blade is a good indication. That's true. I mean, the the horse jumping, like literally, probably I don't know, like a football field is is part of that. But on top of that, where I don't know, I've seen people in real life stand on things, but like maybe he has one of those like adamantium kind of swords. We don't know. Even though it's a simulation, I, my imagination says that it could be somehow physically possible. Right. Well, if you watch enough TV, it seems like it should be. Oh, and um, I've been listening or reading the commentary, or not the commentary, the whatever it's called. This story is a 
basically sort of like Cypher. This guy decided he wants to go back to the Matrix, and he's trying to convince her to go with him. So that's what's going on. That's another confusing thing. In the Matrix movies, wasn't Zion like the last final refugee for refuge for humans? That's this is telling a different story. (laughs) No, he's talking about Zion. They're on a ship, I believe. They're inside a. They're doing training, but he's blocked off so they can't hear them inside the training. And he's saying he's going back to the Matrix, but he has to give them Zion in order to do that. Basically, the same deal Uh, that Cipher got in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "I'm sorry, duo, duo as opposed to Neo." That's easy. Oh, yeah. That's a good. <laughs> uh, the names aren't actually good, but I don't <laughs> think about them uh, as much as I probably should. You see, yeah, you're right. That's funny. Also, I think that's um, Phil Lamar, who is Samurai Ooh. Jack, and he's also. You know, just um, awesome. <laughs> okay, if that's true, then that's even more because that suit of armor in the final episode, final episode, final season of Samurai Jack, he is wearing not the exact same thing, but really yeah. close. So if that is Phil Lamar, that's hilarious. I'm not sure because I can't really hear his voice, but it sounds like him from what I can hear right now. There's some voice actors that you can like instantly do, and then some is just like, wait, maybe? Yeah. And as we've discussed before, and as everyone that's been listening to these episodes knows, I have no way to Google on without my phone because, well, it would screw up the recording. So we're just going to assume that's yeah, like, Lamar. If only we had more technology that we could just walk, like, sit around with where we had, like, four. <laughs> no, that would mean, like, there'd be people behind the screens, like, oh, Jack, look this up while we're talking about this cartoon. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. Maybe one day we'll have an engineer that we can have look up stuff while we talk. I mean, you don't think uh, our device could, could do it? For no yeah, yeah. I could just send him a text and where he's doing right now. He, he could just look up stuff for us. Uh, but it'll, it'll end up just being like Mark Hamill. I'll look it up later and I'll put it in the description or something. Really slow sword. I think she's going to die. <laughs> Oh, no, she doesn't. Classic. Yeah, she, that was, that's, like that's really good old-style anime. She just broke his sword and used it to kill him. I don't know her name. His name is Duo. I, she, he might have said it, but I would have had to listen to the... Um, Kesher, I guess, maybe. Unless that was the person talking. Never mind. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Okay. So, it was actually, this is part of them testing for loyalty. Mm -hmm. Which is horrible, if you think about it. Yeah, but I guess it's another way, like, the humans still are manipulating a machine use. Right. They don't have; they have their own trust issues, right? I and they don't say this, but I wonder if, like, this is like supposed to be after the whole thing with Cipher happened, so they developed this test to try and mm. weed out potential traitors. 
they don't ever that's say good, that. That's, I just good, uh, that's like the timeline. Potential observation. Yeah. Oh, this is a really good one. This one's very short, but it's, uh, I think it's only like a minute if I remember right, but it's really good. Yeah, good call on watching all these at once because if there was a way that somebody could watch like, oh, here's a four-minute video. Here's the four-minute video three years later. I'd be like, wait, what? Yeah. No, and if, because um, the way I have it, I have in physical media, if you buy the Blu-ray box set of all three movies, this comes with it. And I, I highly recommend it to anybody that likes the Matrix movies because it really does give you so much background stuff that affects, the, affects how you see the movies. Do you know, like, if any of, like, the Matrix creators or whatever, like, said anything commentary to this? Like, said that they, like, um, thought it was complimentary or... There is a commentary that goes with it um, from, like, a, it's actually in Japanese that I've watched bits of. But I don't know if there's, like, one from the Wachowskis themselves talking about this stuff. I know they were involved with it. I just don't know if they did a commentary mm -hmm. talking about it. Yeah, so far, if you're not watching along, we're just basically watching an Olympic runner, mm -hmm. you know, about to run a race. And that's basically all we know so far. But the, it's, again, this is one of those things you have to watch it because the style of this is so unique that there's no way I can describe to you what it looks like. It just looks so cool. So he's running against other people. Right. It feels like this is like a setup or something, like he or someone is getting paid to be the best runner or something. Well, basically what this guy is saying, that he is running so fast that his body just can't take it. Like he's at that level of like he's just – he's afraid his body's going to just break down if he tries to run. Hmm. Like that's this is, this is the whole thing. He's basically saying that yeah, he's about to, he's running so fast that his whole body is going to break down, and it's he's going past the physical limits of humanity, basically. Which is very human to do yeah. or try. I don't know, and like I I know where this is going because it's the Matrix and I've seen it, but I don't know what that level would be because it seems like every time somebody breaks a record, it's like oh that'll never be broken again. It eventually does get broken again. It's more about somebody doing it to get to that point. Well, it's all sorts of evolution, too, because like even like the out uniforms they wear, how much hair you have on your body, there's all this like infinitesimal stuff we think about now that I'm sure like 50 years ago, people were like, oh, if I shave my leg hair, I'll get an extra point, point four seconds of speed. Well, definitely showing like human physics yeah no very much the way this is animated you see every muscle and sinew in his body in everybody's body but especially in his you watch it you know move in a very kind of off-putting way that's sort of part of the story so that's why it's drawn this way So, yeah, basically, he's already broken the record for, like, the 100-yard the dash before. 
and he's going to try and break it again, but everybody's like, that's impossible. You physically can't do that. And now we're seeing a reporter ask him like what it was like, and he says it was like freedom is basically what he said. And now we're back to the jog again, and again, we just see the muscles working in a really, really specific way. Yeah, capturing that motion, yeah. like even his face, like looks weird, and then too, like seeing the actual, seeing the actual, right, like sweat, like fall off. And we're watching his muscles basically explode, but he keeps running somehow. Inner motivation somehow, like his body's trying to break down. And we're seeing um, what look like clearly agents, if you're in the Matrix, talk about him waking up. Oh, that's one thing that makes sense. So it's like a body, another body survival thing. It's like to get closer to life and death, you actually experience reality. Right. So basically, just as he was about to break his record, we see the agents appear behind him and try and grab him. And he actually, okay, and that's the whole point of the, this um, episode. I didn't want to get into it too much until you got to see it. But he basically ran so fast inside the Matrix that he broke himself free. He like, yep. like he went past the, the limitations of what their programming said he could do to the point where he woke up in the real world, but he was still inside that pod. And we just saw a robot basically put him back to sleep. Because that's the other thing that they don't address somehow is like how... So when people are waking up, like, how do they wake up Neo? Like, right. in the movie, like, how do they do it without getting caught by the other? Like, if you're in, like, a field of, like, trillions, quintillions of humans. Right. They do explain it. Again, this is just because this is how my brain works. I, I listen to this stuff very specifically. Um, the pill he takes actually makes his signal detectable. So it means that they can find him in the trillions upon trillions of people so they go to where he is and then the robots um machine protocol for when somebody wakes up like that is to basically unplug them and flush them down the drain to let them die but because morpheus gave them that pill they're able to find him and fish him out of the sewer so that's how they find him thank you for that explanation yep. In this case, they, instead of trying to flush him, they just basically put him back to sleep and just, you know, made it so his body's broken inside the matrix for what he did. That's a risk. Yeah. Well, it's like once the human body has tasted something, it's going to yeah. try to satiate itself. Which is kind of where this whole, it's kind of the whole moral of this particular episode is. But 
I also think just based on the nature, by the, the way the agents look in this, it might be an early for earlier version, so they haven't quite figured out that you need to just get rid of them. Because right here, we're going to see him actually stand up, which shouldn't be possible. Man just wants to run. Yeah. But like that's a the episode in particular is very much about the human spirit and how like it can conquer even the matrix. Okay, so this one is very specific. This one speaks directly to a character you see in the movie. Um, if you watch the second matrix, the kid that comes as soon as um, they get to Zion, the kid that comes and carries their bags, this is his backstory. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's explained pretty well, but I, it definitely helps you understand who this person is and why it's important. And it explains a few things that Neo says to him in the movie. Dang it, you're going to make me rewatch the Matrix trilogy, which I haven't done in a long time. Honestly, it's worth rewatching. It, it is really good, especially once you've got all this backstory in your head. It's like, oh, yeah, I can see that there, that there. Well, there's different dialogue that I remember, like, kind of like, what was the other thing with the tower? Like, you have to watch that more than once to get all the full dialogue yeah. when he's in, like, that watchtower thing. And they're explaining, like, you're an anomaly within a enigma or Yeah, whatever. definitely you have to rewatch the architect scene a few times to understand what the hell he's talking about. Or even not the art, the key, the key maker or whatever, too. That whole thing is a whole other yeah. scenario. See, let's see if they stuck to the original and somehow put white zombie in the soundtrack. <laughs> Don't think so. It is kind of very reminiscent of the first Matrix movie because we're watching the kid. Like, and I don't know where this chat room is. It, it just occurred to me that this is like 99, seeing a black screen with green typing made sense. But now it's like, where where are you typing? It looks like you're just typing commands into your computer, but somehow expecting an answer. <laughs> And then, you know, a riddle, because like oh, the, the, the rabbit hole. Yeah, that definitely narrative just sounds like Morpheus. Right. I'm pretty sure this is actually after Neo, so I think it's Neo that's actually talking to him. I'm not positive. We'll find out in a few seconds. Yeah, the Matrix is a perfect point for me, because I was just at that teenage angsty stage in life. And it's very much about teenage angst in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, because also there were there was the ending credits had a good a new Rage Against the Machine song and a new Marilyn Manson song, so I was all for it. Actually, I just I heard something the other day, which makes a lot of sense when you realize where the Wachowskis ended up. It's a lot about um, gender identity too, because oh yeah, yeah no. Which is obviously now, obviously now looking back on it, but if you, if you didn't know it at the time, you wouldn't know it. That's what character Trinity's character is like half about. Yeah. Although I found it very interesting. Um, if you ever play the Path of Neo video game, 
they um, they have to change the ending because like the whole sacrifice ending doesn't really work for a video game. You need a big boss battle. Yep. So the Wachowskis actually come on and they're in that white drop with the two chairs, but they look like eight pixel digital just little guys. But one of them's blue, and I think the one of them that's going to become or was transitioning at the time. I think they both did eventually. The one who was transitioning at the time to woman was pink. And I wonder, uh, they must have had that symbolism in mind just for the fun of it. But they basically give a big speech about how the whole Christ sacrifice doesn't really work for a video game. So instead, we're going to give you a giant boss fight against a giant um, Smith mecha, basically, is what it ends up being. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty fun. Sorry, that's just another Matrix thing that if, if you want to know about the whole backstory, it's a good place to go. Well, it's the other thing where it's like it, it does fit in its time because, like, now if somebody randomly handed you a phone and was like, "Answer it," he would just be like, "Nah, not doing that." Yeah, sounds like a scam. Yeah, that's true. I can't imagine getting a uh, a package, getting a phone, and waiting for me to turn pick it up. I don't pick up my own phone. Like, <laughs> although same thing, I could do like a text, like you know, some again going back to like kind of chat room. Right. Like something where it's just like, yeah. So I was right. It is Neo that's talking to him, which makes sense because, like, when he gets when we get to him in the second movie, he's very much a, uh, um, very attached to Neo. So, Go to the door. <laughs> sort of like Neo's attached to Morpheus. <laughs> Jump out the window. What? Jump out the window. All right, well, it didn't work well, but the, the this is also kind of feels a little bit like there's parallels with um, the Dark Tower stuff. Yeah. Movie was bad. Movie was very, very bad, but the, the series is very good as a book series. Maybe one day they'll do the movie right. So if you're not watching along, we just we were just at the school with the kid, and um, Neo basically called on the phone and told him to run, and he's basically running from agents on a skateboard, just skateboarding through his entire school, like I'm sure so many people fantasize about doing. <laughs> That's one thing. This whole animation <laughs> is very, very fluid. Right. It's very like loose and emotion. And again, Phil, so like it's, it's motion, but it's not like so different defined. From that we've seen so far. Like, uh, I I don't know if I'm like artistically just seeing. But there's definitely parallels. Yeah. Like I know this is either the same artist or it's within the same vein. Mister Popper, Mister Pimple Popper. Well, his last name is Popper, I guess. <laughs> Narc. <laughs> this always makes me upset. So we're watching him c climb up the storm drain, and I'm like, if my life ever depends on me climbing up the storm drain, I'm just gonna die. What's going to storm drain? <sighs> well, that's there's a bunch of like comedies that make fun of this because like, unless you're like. 115 pounds, that thing would definitely like break right. off. 
But I also want to die. If I did somehow get to the top of the roof, I couldn't pull my fat ass up. Like, I couldn't pull my whole weight up so I was standing. Uh, the human body with adrenaline is, is surprising. Yeah. Like, if you needed that one moment where it was, like, basically the fear of, like, falling off of a ledge, you, the, the human body can be very surprising. Not saying that you should try it, but, like, it, it's possible. So right here, we he just got to the top, and instead of dealing with the agents, he said, Neo, I believe, and then fell backwards off the building and is now falling five stories in much the same way we saw him falling in a dream when this thing started. Yes. And there's the birds, except for it's more articulate this time. It was very blurry the first time. And there's his shoes, which definitely look like shoes. And there's the blurry stuff. Ah, oh, that's not a bird. That's oh no, that is a bird. But it's parallel again because it's like, is it him? Is it the bird? It's both. And now we're at his grave because he just jumped off a building, and we're at his funeral. Basically, everybody's saying, you know, talking about how he thought there was a, he felt alienated. He felt like there was a real world. That would be another thing, like, not to get too deep, but, like, today's thing, there'd be, like, some, some made article would be, like, did the Matrix, like, convince people to, like, you know, be suicidal? Like, I could yeah. see nowadays people would be, like, oh, that would be some kind of argument. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think if you're in that mindset, stuff can set you off. And there's definitely stuff in the Matrix that could be that. But I don't know if it's the Matrix. The Matrix is false. And we're actually not seeing No, but I know people would still scapegoat it. Yeah. And this obviously um, makes a big point because he is the only person to ever do this. When when we see him in the second movie, Neo says that he didn't save him. It's true. He's the only person that basically woke himself up when he did that. Neo didn't have anything to do with him waking up. He forced himself awake. Which actually gives the kid a lot Except. more like uniqueness in his character. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think it's like another form of evolution too. If like you know, the track star did it, like, but he did it before he essentially died. Right. Um, it was like another trait that was trying to be carried on. Right. Yeah, they ba- they do basically. The track star almost made it, and the kid actually did make it. It's ba- but it's basically the same idea, just different ways of getting there. And even though I've seen this before, I don't remember what Beyond is about, but this one's called Beyond. So here we go. So there's people at an intersection. They showed a traffic light. Yep, and a tracer of some kind that looks like it's definitely machines from the Matrix. So that's all we know so far. And an old, like, Windows 98 computer with a keyboard. This, I now I remember because I remember the, the setup. I wonder if this was borrowed for the um, Avengers, not the Avengers, the Thor movie, uh, the second one. Because there's a, a scene very much like what's about to happen in, this, in that movie. In the dark world? Yeah, in the dark world, yep. You'll see what I mean in a second, but it, it just... I was thinking about this the other day, and I was like, wow, that's actually very similar to what you see in the Dark World. But we'll get there in a second. No reason to rush it. I just I just remember that. I wanted to point that out while I had it in my head. 
And this feels very much anime. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a cat. Yeah. Not all animes have cats, now that I've watched a bunch of anime. I mean, a lot of them do, yes, but not all of them. But, like, the her, the girl with colored hair with a star on her face with a star on her shirt. Right. She also has a cat. It's very, very colorful and, like, teenage Uh, that's why I don't let my cats go outside. Because I love them and I don't want them to run away. I'm going to call you back. i got to go find my cat. Okay. You want to stop the recording? Oh, no, no. I was being heard. Oh. <laughs> like, wait, what? What recording? This is real life. Yeah, I know. Um, ice cream. No, just because me and Mr. Vice have been doing like halfway stop throughs just randomly recently, so I've been used to doing that. Oh, no. I don't. I, I can't do that. That's not how my brain world functions. All right. Yep, so she needs right, So this character is still looking for a cat. There's another character we've been introduced to as like a friend. Pudgy. There's also a, um, a fan, um, I guess it's a fan theory about The Matrix that I actually really like when you watch it, is The Matrix is a lot smaller than you think it is, because you think it's like a representation of our whole world, but when they talk about The Matrix, like when they're in the real world, they're like, oh, they're near the highway, or they're up in the mountains, so it's almost like there's just one city. That's the whole matrix, mm -hmm. which I find very interesting, especially once you start talking about that, you know, weird way they talk about places in the matrix. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Actually, they might have just stolen from the same place now that I think about it. Because I've seen stuff like this in anime before. Yeah, it looks like some like kind of supernatural ghosty stuff happening. Yeah. It's like the part I'm thinking of, it's when they find that weird phenomenon with all the gravity stuff in the dark world. That's what I'm thinking about. In that one warehouse that when they throw all the keys and stuff. Love the detail, the drawing. If you looked really closely, there was a rainbow when she looked at it, when she looked up in the room. Yeah. But the fact that it's also raining with no clouds, that was part of what we're supposed to take away from that. <laughs> well, no, attacked by newspapers. 
Plus they're like kind of acting like birds and then disappearing. Definitely would have peed myself at least. Yeah. And the kids are throwing beer bottles, breaking them, but then the beer bottles come back together and they're trying to catch them. Because that's exactly what kids would do if they found something that weird in the real world. Oh, heck yes, they would. They wouldn't question that. The guys, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> uh, the the subtext just said lion growls, and that's like a tiny little cat. Yep. So I don't know if some other stuff is happening. I don't think so. I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Might just be weird subtitles. And now we're watching the kids jump off the building but stop themselves from hitting the ground because, well, weird stuff is happening in this one little area. And I don't know how you figure that out, that you can jump off that building and not die. Maybe fall back. Well, if they were throwing the bottle, if they were throwing the bottle that was the same place, they could have made the same thing where it's like, well, we could do anything. Right. Dude, jump off the thing. See if you break your leg. Nah, dude, dude don't do it. I'm going to freaking do it. I did it. Whoa. I feel like in most movies, yeah. it would be an accident. Like they'd be playing and one of them would fall and they're like, oh, I didn't die. So then the other one would jump to see what happened. Oh, dude, no way. Let's try it. Yep. There's a pigeon feather. Whoa, pigeon in slow motion. I don't know. I'm assuming it's my brain, but I have like been like looking at a uh, street in my life, and like it glitches where I see it like like an image that doesn't look right, like rearranges. And I'm assuming it was just my brain glitching for a minute. But it could be the world. I don't know, man. Maybe we're part of the matrix. Yeah. Like that was my first. Are we going to get like, shut oh, down because of that comment? I just saw the Matrix. Or you could be all deep and philosophical and be like, "Well, no, you saw the closest thing to actually what was the building for a half a right. second. You know, you didn't see the image of the tree; you saw the actual tree." Oh yeah, I'll go Plato with it. My actual second thought after the Matrix was, "Oh, I have a tumor," so the, <laughs> that's where my brain goes. <laughs> <laughs> well no but that's the rational mind that goes with it. it's like oh there must be a rational reason for this when sometimes it's like no there's just some weird shit yeah. happening well and part of this that we haven't talked about for anybody that's not watching as they're doing all this weird stuff in the um in the what would you call it warehouse a giant red truck keeps moving closer and closer to the building where they're at yeah, definitely like some kind of impending like oh force of authority or something is on its way. Yeah. So I just want to point that out because that's a part that doesn't really come through from what we've been talking about. But yeah, definitely shit's about to hit the fan, if you will. <laughs> Plus, if the cat knows, I trust it. That's another thing we've always talked about with like horror movies, like when the cat or like the dog is like, I'm not leaving in this house. I'm like, I'm going to trust the animal because they have some other stuff that we don't know about. Yeah. So, like, if an animal starts freaking out for no reason, I'm like, we're leaving this area. I've seen too many movies. No, it makes perfect sense to me. 
Although I did, I didn't know without the commentary that the, the guys that just they just bursted through the the alleyway wall. They're called the exterminators, which doesn't bode well for the children. What well, that sounds friendly. <laughs> well, she's still like, oh, the cat. Now we're just. She's looking into a dark hallway, and she's listening to people talking. It's really weird with like destiny stuff was like. (laughs) So what I'm gathering, and I think what we're gonna like what kind of plays out here is the exterminators seem like almost a different type of agent. Mm -hmm. Like we we see a classic agent right there, but these look like a different almost like subsection that do a different kind of job. They don't sound the same either, right? No, it doesn't look like it. It definitely doesn't give you the idea of like, oh, these are just like cops like every place else. You know, that the agents are just lying to. These seem like they're different programs designed to do something else. Which makes sense because that's what they're kind of about to do. Yeah, that was the question. I was like, I mean, when they said seal the area off, like how they were, how were they going to do that? Like they had hoses. Like, what are they putting? Some kind of like, like mud clay, like just filling up that room. Right. No, basically, like what we're seeing is they took the area. kids away, and they basically turned it into just a regular parking lot. Like they destroyed what was there. But is it still there? Well, at least as far as those kids are concerned, it's not working anymore. She's going to find something again. <laughs> it's a less, like, well... It's a more dramatic version of if you were flipping through the channels and you just got free porn one day and then you tried to make that happen again, but it never happened again. That's sort of what's happening. Well, you know, because you were talking about visuals too, I forget what the book is, like The Giver in the what movie was where it's like he sees the color red for the very first time ever when he throws it, but it's like that little blip. Right. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, that's in The Giver. That's in The Giver. Like he's never actually understood or seen or visualized or had any concept of red. Right. He sees it for like this fleeting second. Yeah. Well, that's, that picture was about. And then we go back walking again. And we're pulling out, and that's the end of that one. So, like, did she die? No. Basically, they just covered it up. They they fixed whatever problem was going on in the Matrix, made all that weird crap happen, and they you know, set them home and they can believe whatever they want to believe, but that was it. Oh, I'm an idiot. I didn't realize she just cut herself in the cat food can. I thought, like, something weird was happening where she was, like, cutting her hand. Yeah. Nope. I think she was just testing to see if the blood did anything. 
Now we're in a very different story. This one's called The Detective Story, and it's already black and white, very noir looking. I think... John Constantine, but not really. Yeah. I think besides the like the, the slight cameo you have from Neo in the kid's story, this is the only time you see one of the main... Um, main people from the Matrix movies in one of these stories. Hmm. There might be others that I'm forgetting, but I'm pretty sure this is the only one. Both my fridge and my bank account are empty. Nice. <laughs> good line. That's a happy life right there. <laughs> I wonder if they call him Mr. Ash because um, Zal obviously is called the Animatrix. Is based on anime, and that was like a play on Pokemon. Oh, you're going to make me think too much into all these really names, like if they just drew on so many different characters. Yeah. That's all the Matrix was like based on. Like They took so much from anime, so it makes sense that to tell mm-hmm. the backstory of all this history, they would go with anime. Oof. Oh, and if you're not watching, just gave a detective me just got a serious phone call about finding someone called Trinity, which I don't know who that could be. So, and they just paid him 800 somethings. 800 monies. I also, I just realized, I think that's a very, this is a very, this is a very good one. I like this one a lot, but I think the idea that it doesn't explicitly get said right there, but the fact that the machines are clearly looking for Trinity, but instead of being able to find her, they use an, a human that's not a program because maybe the human can think more creatively than the machines can about finding her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, don't or know think I more like a, yeah. Well, it's kind of like not a chameleon thing, like, think more like because you know robots can think kind of like humans but they won't think exactly like humans oh there's a nice alice in wonderland reference find the red queen and you just call them a devil so many things because i just find the red queen and i'm like now i just remember the red queen from uh oh resident evil yeah well it's all alice in wonderland definitely alice in wonderland Jabberwocky. Have you ever read um, that was all through through the Looking Glass? Have you ever read Alice Wonderland or Through the Looking Glass? No, I I couldn't really get into Lewis Carroll. I tried, but he's kind of like Lovecraft. It was like too weird and not in, not in my kind of yeah. cup of tea. I tried, but it failed. Yeah, no, I definitely I read both those, and they are definitely weird to the point where like I've read them. Anonymous chat rooms. I don't remember much about them, honestly. <laughs> So he's hacking on a typewriter, which I absolutely love. Like, it's noir, but there's still, like, this, like, technology that's just above its time. Right. Sort of like Batman the Animated Series, how everything's 1920s, but also, you know, futuristic. (laughs) Through the looking glass, lots of Alice in Wonderland references. Yeah. This is it. You'll have to jump the first of six books. That's right out of Through the Looking Glass. 
Honestly, I think because they're, they're two separate books. I think this one is drawing on specifically the book Through the Looking Glass and the stuff you see in the Matrix movie, the first one especially, is from Alice in Wonderland, which mm -hmm. is very interesting because because of the way Disney did it, he used stuff from both, so you don't it's hard for people that haven't read the books to know if there's a difference, but there is. Right. Six Brooks. How am I going to jump off of Six Brooks at <laughs> uh, what is 2005? Eight? Yes. Yep. Basically figured out that a clue was to get on a train. That's pretty figured out. That's a very helpful cat that throws you your hat as you run out the door. I don't know why I don't have more helpful felines in my life. That cat's awesome. Yeah, so same thing. Really weird that, but those trains do not look old-fashioned. Right. Which I appreciate that aesthetic just because I did grow up on Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> Knocking on a uh, no train car. Hmm. Ah, yes, riddle stuff. Well, we're watching. That, that's all. That's much more disturbing to me than the belly button. Basically, uh, Trinity just pulled out one of those tracking things that you see in the first movie, but instead of it's out of this guy's belly button, it was out of his eye, which I feel is much worse. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't get too graphic with that. Yeah. Of course, as soon as she did that, they knew that, you know, he was a problem. Oh, no. So, just speaking about the agents for a minute, because this is just, this has to do with the Matrix movie, not so much of this particular uh, story. Um, in the Matrix movie, the second one, you see all the different, I, they look like they're former agents from different versions of the Matrix. I think that's what they're supposed mm -hmm. to be, that the Merovingian is saved. And they include the two twins that can phase through walls. It's always bugged me that, that, that those were older versions of the agents, because I always thought that's a much more useful thing than just being able to move you know, kind of fast. Yeah, but I think the other thing is, like, they need to be more and more chameleon-like. They can't look unique. Yeah, that's part of it. And this does make a very good point that you don't think about in The Matrix. Like, he was, she was there to try and save him like they did with Neo, but before they could get him to where he needed to be, an agent tried to jump into his body, which we don't ever hear about, but that would make sense. He's still connected, so they, if they know that he's compromised, they can definitely try and jump into his body. 
So that's the only thing though that I remember that's like the weird thing, like So did she just shoot him? Yeah. She just killed him so that because once he's been shot, they the because uh, we see that in the movie that the agent can't take him over. So basically, she killed him to keep to set him free because that's all that she could do. Oh yeah, so going back to the first movie. Yep. Yeah. Well, I wonder because they don't really give you a time frame. I wonder if this was before they find Neo or after they find Neo. It just. It doesn't really make a difference to this particular story. It's just an interesting, where are we? Then the agents are looking around going, well, what happened? Oh no, there's a broken window. The hat's gone. Yeah, if you put the hat, or I guess the hat fell off the window, maybe. Oh, okay, so we're back to like the original vi- visual they showed us. Yeah. I don't know what's actually going to happen to him there. It's sort of like the ending of the gray. He's got a gun on the agents, hmm. but he's definitely died. That's so funny because I literally like just watched that movie like two weeks ago for the first time ever. It's a really good movie. So I wouldn't have known that reference. <laughs> Good timing to watch it so I can make that reference. Matriculate. Just based on the time, so I feel This like, looks more like cyberpunk. Yeah. Like we, I don't know how many more of these are left, but there's a couple. Because we haven't even seen the one that I thought started it. At least I thought, maybe it's only on the Blu-ray version, that the one that I thought started starts it. I don't know. If that's the case, and I've set up one that doesn't um, actually appear in this version of the Animatrix, I will just tell you tell you what it is because it's not that part of the story to go over. But hmm. this definitely looks like it's the real world because mm-hmm. it's very depressing. Well. But it also looks like there's like dead super robots. (laughs) She just looked like she was in part of a hand. That looks like a ship. Yeah. I like that all the robots like look like bugs or you know very non-human. Some kind of parasite. Yeah. They very purposefully don't look like humans. But then when we get to the last, like the main intelligence of the machine city, it chooses a human face to talk to Neo, which is interesting now that I think about it. (laughs) This is one of those movies and franchises where I don't think much was done by accident, so it's fun to think about. Mm -hmm. So they're moving on. That's a problem. Like an old, like, fortress or very fancy house. Yep. Uh oh. Definitely. Ah, radar. Yeah, definitely human resistance, but I can't remember exactly what the point of the story is. Again, 
I feel like I've seen these a few times, but it's been a while since I got this far into this into the Animatrix, so it's hard for me to remember the later ones, what their story is. Which kind of works out, because it's the first time you're watching, so I can't spoil too much for you. I think we're still doing a good job being entertaining, and I'm still throwing in stuff that I remember that add to it. Hey, that looks like every key I've ever had in my hand before. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That definitely doesn't look human either. I'd like if there's a second mode for these. Um, I don't even know what to call them. Oof. Well, I mean, they're robots, so clearly they transform. Yeah. It's probably going back to, like, they're, you know, civilized versus, like, um, you know, defensive or, like, when they have to be indifferent because they were swimming before. So right. they have to adapt and be able to. I don't know what to make of this stuff yet. There's a bigger robot attacking the other robots. Yep. Yeah. But the bigger robot definitely seems like it's part of the human thing, resistance. Oh, that's right. So I think you're a few seconds behind me, but basically what what they're doing is they're capturing robots to use against other the other robots like they're reprogramming mm-hmm. the robots they found but they don't realize that that robot that they just defeated um, left a tracer that's going to bring people to their um, base mm-hmm. so we go back to uh, the wizards where you know they take the bad things and like hey we can reprogram it and make it be beneficial to us right Although they're having a very interesting conversation about um, the nature of making these machines work for them. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, really. Because I think that's the whole point. I think that's something you don't really get from the movies that much. I think towards the end, maybe. But you forget that the machines are aware. It's not just a machine. It's a self-aware, conscious creature. Just because they act mechanical and don't have regard for, you know, being destroyed doesn't mean that they aren't, you know, conscious. So is that like a little monkey? I don't, yeah. It looks like it's a lemur. I have no idea what what it's supposed to be. It looks like it's a lemur somehow, though. There's some like little petty things I could just never do. Like even if that was real life, like someone's like, "Listen, I have to put a gigantic needle into your brain." I'd just be like, "Nah, I'm good." Like, like there's a few things I'm just like, "I'll just stay in Zion and you know, like I don't know, work in the water reclamation plant or something." Mm 
that's what most people do. I don't think after you get out of the matrix, for the most part in this in this world, that most people end up working like on the ships. So I feel like you would just end up working in like a Joe job. You'd be one of the people in the cave in the third movie, just hoping to God the machines are stopped before they come in there and kill you. Oh yeah, this is a very weird juxtaposition because it's the human okay, so... the machine's mind. Yeah, this is definitely really interesting. So if you're not watching along, what we just watched was this group of humans plug themselves in with the matrix cords you all know of, and they plugged it into the machine's head, and now they are inside the machine's head. Two people, like, doing some stuff. Yeah. Along with their lemur pet, which I don't understand what he brings to the party, but he's there. It's another animal. I mean, it's what people... So the machines can... It obviously is never touched on the movie, but it's a very fascinating like, branch of defense for humanity to turn the machines against each other using the very mm-hmm. technology they use to enslave humanity. Always has to go with maze and different turns and tricking people. Right. I wonder intelligent-wise how smart machines are supposed to be. Like your run-of-the-mill average, you know, drone. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) They're definitely problem-solving smart. They're not, like, I would say human adult smart. Well, I mean, yeah, this is a perfect example of, like, they're not completely there. So now the robot is kind of taking a human form in the... Oh, there's those things. Yep, nope, the robot's definitely... We've seen the robot change form, so it doesn't even look like the robot that we saw in the real world. It looks like human, basically. But it's still got its three eyes, so we know it's the same robot. You want to play catch? Oh, boy. I feel like this could be like a game or like a very, very, very dangerous game of like, don't hit the landmine. Right. And again, like if you're not watching along, this is one of those things I just, I can't describe the weird trippy ass visuals that they use to represent this machine's mind and what we're doing. Yeah. This is definitely the most uh, artistically, not awkward, but just like, its own it's more it's less of that animation and more of like like cgi even though that's not a phrase anymore like that more 3d right versus cartoon 
Yeah, like I'm trying to describe the activities, but basically it's it's hard to describe what they're doing the activities in. The robot just found the Tesseract. Yeah, so. pretty much. So it's one of the Infinity Stones down. Oh, it's the thing that I dropped in the cup before. If I put this here, now it's going to be like a living thing. Like how do you describe what just came out of that Tesseract? Yeah, well, I think that going back to the whole virus thing of like how the, not the machines, but like some of the things that are portrayed in the Matrix, like that there are viruses, they are meant to just spread and consume. Right. So I think it's like trying to get that point across of like, look what you are, look what you've done. This isn't what we are. We just like to like, you know, throw, throw balls and have sex. Right. Now, they're definitely trying to bridge the gap between machine and human. That's the whole point of what they're doing. <laughs> Which is a much more complicated version of reprogramming. Because you literally have yeah. to reprogram as you would a human, basically. Which I love all of this backstory, but I feel like as much as I enjoy this and as artistically cool as all this is, I don't think this overall affects the movies if you watch the movies back. Like, maybe give you better, like, um, compassion for the machines that you're seeing, like the Sentinels and stuff, that there's actually more going on there. But other than that, really, I don't know what it does to further the plot of the movies. Yeah, this is the least like practically. It it, it uh, like it doesn't really applicable to yeah. the rest of the other stories, including with the Matrix. This is more of like, all right, we uh, gave you some stuff. Now we're going to give you a really big like deep dive. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the main thing you would take from this particular one is the fact that when you see all those you know hundreds of thousands of machines that come to destroy Zion, in the third movie. They're, they all have some sort of consciousness. They're all sort of alive. They're not just completely, you know, automatons, even though they're machines. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I take it. Oh, and um, the machines that we saw coming earlier from the probe that the one machine left have now showed up and started killing people. And the good guys have their reprogrammed machines that are trying to delay them from getting killed. Right. Hopefully kill them off so they can continue their work. But I would assume that's what they want. But yeah, I'm curious what they're going to do with this uh, guy. Sorry, did you catch the Wilhelm screen right there? No, I did not, but I love it. Yeah. Jen hates it when I bring up the Wilhelm screen, but every time I hear it, it's like, <laughs> that's the Wilhelm screen. The royalties that family must be getting. I don't know if they get paid for it. I feel like it's one of those sad Hollywood secrets where he did it once, he got paid for it, and now it's like in the public domain for a filmmaker. Yeah, if only. You're probably right, but I but a man can dream. Yeah. I would hope that they get paid for it because it's used in like everything. 
But, you know, I, I just... Even as, like, a comical... Like, it's like used to be, a, like, an attribute to something. It's used to be comical in some way. And if... Um, okay. are... If anybody listening doesn't know what the Wilhelm scream is, you can go ahead and Google it. It's pretty easy to find. But it's a very specific scream that was recorded in, like, the 1950s for a Western. And it's appeared in Star Wars... Indiana Jones, just everything. Like once you hear it, you're going to hear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So most of the humanoid kind of folks are dead. Right. The robot that they rescued slash captured put uh, the main character-ish back into like a simulation and now they are both in a simulation? Yep, they're both back in the world that they were in before. Because I think the robot has fallen in love with her. That I would kind of maybe think so. But as a freed human, she does not like that. Also, I think she might have been dying at the time. I'm not going to her on that. Yep. So we could sit there. That Ooh. robot's going to sit there forever. Staring at that dead lady. So I don't know if this is big or not, but originally the robot's eyes were red. Yeah. When they switched back, the robot's eyes were green when he, like, re-impaled himself. Yeah. That was, like, that's how you told which robot's so the only one quote-unquote alive? I think that might have been the... Nope. Okay, good. We finally... This is the one that starts off the Blu-ray... But I think it's the last one on this one, so that's interesting. Somehow you are ahead of me by like four seconds or something. Okay, so don't know how that happened. I'm at an hour twenty three thirty three. So let me know when you get there. One hour twenty three minutes and forty two seconds. All right. So. so there is a blindfolded dude and a blindfolded chick, yep. and they're fighting. But they're not. And again, this is completely commuter animated, different style than all the other movies, all the other ones we've seen. This mm-hmm. one, I think, was one of the ones that got released in theaters. Like this was like a special preview that got released with a certain movie, which I don't remember what the movie was that got released with. I love short films. Yeah, but this is also the one that most directly, I think, um, impacts the other movies. Because, like I said earlier, this is about the ship that gets them the message about the machines coming to attack Zion. Nebuchadnezzar? No, no the that's one, what he named like it. When they go to that movie, the, first one the message at the beginning of the second movie, they say, like, the ship mm-hmm. got us a message about all these machines coming to attack Zion. So. Side note, Love, Death, and Robots. You should watch it okay. if you haven't. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. Although I feel like I put this on the list, so this was a sneaky way for me to get you to watch something that I've been recommending to you before. Are they just going to slowly undress each other? Because that's what's happening. Yeah, pretty much. As one does it's like that primal, time. like... <laughs> you know, a lot of people undress each other with katanas. <laughs> I don't know what you do. On your dates. 
I mean, the fact that he like peered for through his uh, blindfold. She's doing all sorts of cartwheels. She threw her sword. Oh, okay. Well, he's going to lose his pants. And now she's peeking. It's like the swords are symbolic or something. I have no idea what it could possibly be. Just friction, bro. If you're wondering if they were going to animate a full-on sex scene, no, no, they are not. So, <laughs> just thought I'd let, that, let you guys know. So they just kind of went back. Yep. So were they dreaming? No, they were training, but they were also making out sort of while they were training. And they just immediately pulled them out of the simulation. Right, because they just got an alarm that there's thousands of sentinels above their ship. Again, I don't know how much further, if you're behind me or in front of me, I don't know where you are. But yeah, that's basically what happened. Oh, no, okay, I remember, because this is the one where, like, they send a message, but they die. Yes, 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 okay. Yeah. If you see, like, that would be a spoiler, but if you've seen the second movie, you would know that uh, they talk about the ship being dead when they talk about the message. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but like when you were talking about that, I couldn't remember, and now I remember. Yeah. So it makes it makes the message. I love the way the ships like, fly. They talk about for like five seconds in the second movie. Much more dramatic when you watch this and see all that happened. I love the way the ships fly with that weird like electromagnetic stuff, right? Which we now know was how hover cars used to work. Before the whole world blew up. <laughs> Actually, when and you think about it, it, this is a, compared to the way it's on the Blu ray, this is a better order because this is sort of the most recent thing in the history of the Matrix stuff that this deals with. Because this is right before the second movie, after the first movie. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, because there's all those swarms. Yep. Yep, and I remember those visuals from the movie, too. What's also a problem is you can't even sacrifice yourself. Like, they have an EMP. They could take out a lot of those, but at the same time... Well, they would just get more sentinels and start drilling again. I think it goes back to like the hive mind kind of thing, or even to like how they're pictured, how the robots, like how the sentinels like swim slash like together. Right. That reminds me um, in a real world example that I just, from a book that I'd recommend to you, about the Ottoman sultans. Um, there was a very famous battle with uh, Venice and, and the Ottoman Empire, and Venice actually beat the Ottoman Empire, like destroyed a massive fleet. And then like six months later, the Ottoman Empire was able to create a new fleet and came back and like took the island they wanted. And I think it was the sultan that said that um, 
by taking this island, we've chopped off a limb. By destroying our fleet, you basically shaved our beard. And it's the same type of idea. Like they've just gone in there and destroyed all the sentinels. They've just shaved the beard of the machines, basically. <laughs> Sorry, that was just a chance for me to show off some of my nerdy history knowledge for no reason. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's an appropriate time to say fuck. But you can't stop shooting. Can't do it. Oh, and for everybody not watching along, um, we're watching the real world. The Sentinels start to basically destroy that ship, but she's gone into the Matrix to warn um, the Resistance about, you know, the Sentinels. So now we're watching her try to get there in time before she basically dies. She's doing a lot of parkour stuff. Yeah. Wouldn't even call this parkour. No, this is just gymnastics? very game, video game acrobatics. Like, yeah, like Batman, Robin Hood gymnastics, but also uh, Superman, you know, ground pose. Oh, so this is a very simple thing that I, I, you can definitely see here, and I just want to point out in case anybody listening has never heard this. If you watch The Matrix, um, anytime they're in the real world, the filter, like the way everything looks is blue. Whenever they're in The Matrix, everything is filtered green. It's just, it's an interesting thing. Like you won't, I, I didn't notice right away until I read something that you pointed out. It's like, you can definitely see it, like blue, green, blue, green. Hmm. So, yep, there's one. That's that's part. That was part of my mission statement with this podcast was to give random bits of information that my brain has about all this stuff that I've been watching for years. So, anytime I can just shovel that stuff out there for you. So the only thing that I'm going to nitpick here is like. Is there still somehow water? Because how the fuck are people actually surviving? <laughs> yeah. They get into it a little bit. They don't explain everything about it, but they, like, in the second movie, I think it is, Neo's talking to one of the council members about their water reclamation plant. Somehow it get, gets them clean drinking water. I don't know how it works exactly, but they do have a machine that does it. Oh, and she has got the thing to the um, the drop, which is just basically a dead drop inside the matrix, she puts it inside a mailbox. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the real world, her ship just blew up, so she dies in the matrix. But she got the message. Is that woman supposed to be kind of symbolic, symbolically like the oracle kind of a thing? Yeah. You know, the woman she was talking to at the mailbox? Kinda. I don't know. I got like a weird between Oracle or um, oh, what's the other one? Remember at the very end of the actual Matrix, there's like the little meeting between. Right. Hey, look, robots are battle cry. Right. The more, yeah, the Oracle and the, um, yeah, the architect, architect and. Yeah, I don't the... know. I, I think she's just supposed to be like a regular woman going about her business. They didn't really understand what she was seeing. But, oh, the, the credits actually just did, um, well, at least for this, 
the credits did show that the producer of the Animatrix, I believe, was Wachowskis. And I guess they, Osiris. And it just said they wrote the uh, last flight of the Osiris. So, yeah, they're involved in this whole thing. So that's why it all sort of fits together. I would have, I would have loved to have been like a fly in the room, though, of like when they first were trying to like pitch this to them. Right. Like who, whose idea was this? Like John DiMaggio? Oh, man, so many famous voice actors. <laughs> Apparently, they were not very good at pitching the idea to other people because that's something I did hear. Um, Will Smith passed on The Matrix. And part of the reason he passed is because when the Wachowskis pitched him the movie, he didn't get what they were talking about. <laughs> well, I just go back to like the, the Inception episode of uh, South Park. It's like a taco within a burrito within a Taco Bell. Like they were probably just so like, like happy and like, you know what I mean? Like I could see that like that something kind of like that. And Will Smith was just like, I don't know what we're talking about. Right. So I'm going to pass. Right. There you go. Conga Fury almost sounds like Kung Fury. Right. Which um, I think we're going to do that. It's going to be a bonus episode. It's not going to be part of this recording, but you and I are going to one more episode, which will be released at some other date, which I will not get into now because I don't know when I'm going to release it. But look forward yeah. to Kung the future is uh, <laughs> The future is uncertain, and the only thing we know is that we can they can listen to this one. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna, we're going to stop the recording here. Um, yeah. When we'll, I'll call you, we'll get everything set up, and then we'll start a new recording for that. Okay. All right.